This is an ABC podcast. Hello and welcome to You Don't Know Me. I'm Virginia Trioli. It's a podcast where over the course of seven questions, I peel back the public persona of some of Australia's biggest names. You'll find out what they love, the path not taken, and what they do when no one's watching. So, what will we uncover about Anthony Kalia? He's one of the most celebrated singers in the country. He had an interesting beginning on reality TV, which can often burn out to nothing. But not in his case. He's shining brighter than ever. Anthony Kalia, great to have you here. Great to be here. Except you've already, um, I'm afraid, recorded an early fail, which is that I said, look, why don't you sing? You sing You Don't Know Me to get into <laughs> You Don't Know Me today. And what did you tell me? What lie did you tell me? I said I'm on a vocal rest day. Yeah, right. <laughs> I can hear you're on vocal rest day. Person you love, we know who you love, and um, the two of you live on stage in our social media in a very public way, Anthony. Oh, I get myself into trouble so many times on social media. My mum constantly calls me or texts me and says, <laughs> Anth, did you really need to like post that? And I'm just like, Mum, I'm 38 years old. Stop telling me what to do. Um, but no matter how old you get, your mum still tells you what to do. Tim Campbell, of course, yes. um, is your husband of six years, and your social media stuff during lockdown, mm. in which you beautifully live lip-synced, so many famous <laughs> scenes from movies all the like. Muriel's wedding was really the highlight, wasn't it? Oh, that was fun, and the Housewives of Melbourne, but yeah, Muriel's <laughs> wedding, yeah. Muriel's wedding, we learnt the dance routine and everything to it, so clearly we were very bored in um, in lockdown, and obviously, you know, Victoria went through two major lockdowns, so we it were- It was hell. It was, yeah, you, that's that's a great way to sum yeah, it up. You know, the first one we sort of went, oh, okay, we can somewhat get through this, and then the second one, I was like, okay, kill me. <laughs> But no, we we tried to, you know, I didn't want to sit in my, you know, on my on my butt and just do nothing for all of 2020. So yeah, we had a bit of fun with these lip sync videos that we did, which totally took off. And it's so funny now, like walking down the street or going to the post office or something. Like no one speaks about my singing anymore. It's all about oh my god, I love your lip sync videos. And I'm like, I'm just going to turn into Britney. <laughs> And nothing wrong with that. That's how you build a new audience oh, these days, apparently. There we go. With yep. the younger ones. You're still young, but we can't call you one of the real young ones these oh, days, can well, I'm we? I'm not young Anthony? anymore, please. No. I feel like <laughs> I've been around for a billion years. Well, you have really. Yeah. And it's turned out, has this turned out to be the career that you hoped for? Oh, everything and more. <laughs> All the ups and downs. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and complain. It's been, I've been very fortunate, you know, to do what I love for 17 years. Yeah. And I wake up every day and I call myself a singer and that's my job. Um, and it's they a pay you for that yeah. stuff. Well, you know, it's a privileged position to be in, you know, to have audience members come and watch your shows and pay to be there. Like you, you don't take that for granted, but at the same time, you sort of just go with the flow and it becomes part of your everyday. But when that is totally taken away from you and you've got no choice, but to, you know, I, I couldn't have a live audience in front of me. I couldn't tour. Yeah. I couldn't, you know, do any gigs whatsoever. It, um, yeah, you realise how fortunate you are. Um, and now coming out of it, and hopefully we don't have any more lockdowns and no more border restrictions and so forth. You know, to be able to be standing in front of an audience once again, it is so beautiful, and I get emotional even thinking about it because it's yeah, it's it's, it's something that I absolutely love. You'd never know it, but I... You'd never know it, but I have never had peanut butter. <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but I've never had peanut butter. And it came Because you from... have an allergy? No, I have just never had it. And I, I think growing up in an Italian 
upbringing, peanut butter was never really in the house. We had uh, Nutella. Um, oh, yeah. And we had the Italian. Yeah. Mm. Uh, just out of the jar with a spoon. Yep. Um, and then we had the Italian version of that. I can't remember what it was called. Nutella or something. I don't know what it was called. Um, but I've never had peanut butter. And it came up in conversations a few weeks ago. And like all my mates are like, how have you never had peanut butter? So now that I've got to the age of 38 and I've yep. never had peanut butter, I want to get through my whole entire life not oh, having do. peanut butter. Oh, yeah. now you're going to have your friends actually uh, setting themselves up. Who can get Anthony... <laughs> To secretly eat peanut it'll butter. It'll be on my tombstone. Never had peanut butter. <laughs> it'll it'll be a prank. This gives us a great opportunity then to talk about the Italian breakfast, right? Mm. I mean, I don't think many people know about, you know, the, the, the boxes of, of pre-prepared and packaged little cakes and sweets that you mm-hmm. can have for breakfast, those dreadful things full of sugar and flour, not good for you at all, that we, that we ha- can and do eat for breakfast. Well, we used to have... I'll, try and explain it to you, uovo pastuto. And any Italian out there might understand what I'm talking about. But basically, it was a raw egg, just the yolk, a teaspoon of sugar, and then you mix that up in the bottom of the mug, and then you add a shot of coffee and then warm milk. And that was passed down from my grandparents. And I remember, like, I come from a family of 16 first grandchildren. I'm the eldest. And when we used to all go on, like, holidays or go to my nonna's place and we were all there for breakfast, that's essentially what all of us would be lined up and my nonna would be making, like, uovo pastuto and um, that's what we'd have for breakfast. That actually sounds quite good for you. And the warm milk partly cooks the yolk, so it's mm. not like you're you know, presenting any health danger to yourself. And then any time that we had a sore throat growing up, I know this sounds really wrong and you wouldn't do it these days, but we'd have a raw egg with a bit of masala. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. a shot of masala. So yeah. there I am as a 14-year-old kid gargling it. You're halfway to Zabaglione there. <laughs> <laughs> Was it a very Italian upbringing for you? Oh, uh, Yes and no. Like, I've got very young parents because I was a mistake. Um, so <laughs> of the nicest kind. No, I, you know, my mum got a little bit um, randy on her birthday. And I was um, born on... Is she going to mind you saying Oh, that? I don't care. I was born the day after her first wedding anniversary. So she used to always say, oh, I wanted to travel the world. I didn't get a chance to travel the world. And I said, Mum, it's your fault. It's not my fault. <laughs> How old was she? She was 21. Oh, yeah. 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 So I've got young parents and um, I think it was really nice to be able to grow up um, with young parents. Mm. And still to this day, you know, I love going out with them and we, you know, it's it's nice to hang out and um, have that close bond. Mm. Was it uh, Italian in terms of the food, the culture, what you did? Church, school, the whole thing? All of that. Um, You know, my grandparents especially are very um, Italian and my grandfather on my dad's side passed uh, last year, not from COVID, but um, Mm. passed. And I have only just one grandparent now. And I feel as though it's... um, You get to that point in your life where you think about it and you go, I've only got one left. And it just... Yeah, it's there's no turning back. You is have that, to really savor those moments. Is that a reminder for for you and your life? You know, you only get one go at this. You got to play every day like it's your last. Yeah. Uh, again, like you just don't take, especially after the, the year that we've gone through. If there's another thing that yeah, we've it's it's taught us is not take anything for granted, and mm. you know, just even I don't want to 
go into a dark moment. But like, you know, it was COVID was just starting and my grandfather passed. So it was the night before we, where we were told you could only have 30 people at the funeral. Oh. And so trying to tell, it, tell it an Italian family, <laughs> you can only have 30 people. So it was a bit tough. But, um, you know, I'm very fortunate to still have my grandmother on my dad's side still with us. And um, yeah, my grandmother's coming to my concert tomorrow night. And I'm very excited about that. Next question. The life I was supposed to have yes. was stolen by. Now, now, of course, with the caveat, with the caveat, the life you have is just fabulous. But there's always another life. Who got it? Posh Spice, <laughs> aka Victoria Beckham. <laughs> go on. I am obsessed with Posh Spice, and I just go, how can someone be so beautiful and rich and still look so sad every day? <laughs> And I'm like, you're married to a very successful, you know, sports person. You've got a successful clothing brand. You were part of the Spice Girls. I'm like... Look at your children. Like, look at your children. They're picture perfect. The whole family's picture perfect. So I'm like, I wouldn't mind living that life for a day. It's true. So if you're going to be so miserable and grumpy about it, hand it over here. Correct. I'll put a smile on my face. Maybe she can't move her face. That's the problem. I don't think she can move her face. I think that's the issue. Uh, you you would do. You would live Posh Spice's life very well. Oh, just hand me those keys to her Rolls Royce. Did you did you dance along and sing along to the Spice Girls? Okay, here's a bit of a story. When they came out to Australia for the first time, <laughs> they did a signing and appearance at High Point Shopping Centre. Of course they did. And I was in my teens, and I'm like, I need to go and see the Spice Girls. I got there. The line was astronomical, and I looked at it, and I waited for about two hours, and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> as much as I love the Spice Girls, I'm not waiting for more than two hours. That's hilarious. So, you, yeah. you had an upper limit even for that. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's standards. <laughs> And But the dance moves, the song, what you really, really want, you had all that down, right? Had it all down. Still have it down. Yep. How, Why not? How young were you when you started singing? I was five years old. Um, I was watching Young Talent Time. Of course you were. And I turned around to my parents. I don't remember this. And I said to my mum, I said, I want to sing. I want to do that. And so she enrolled me into the Johnny Young Talent School and my vocal teacher, Liana Scarly, was Jane Scarly's sister. Oh. And... I loved singing from such a young age and still to this day, um, I still have a relationship with Liana. She took me through all of my childhood up to my VCE examinations for music. So I had the same vocal coach from the age of five to 18. And, you know, she's again, she's coming to my concerts this weekend as well. And I love I love the fact, and I'm so fortunate, that my mum listened to me and sent me to singing lessons. And didn't argue with you or try and head you in another direction. I've often wondered, what was it like at the Johnny Young Talent School? What was the treatment of you kids like? Was it okay? I have so many fond memories. And it's funny, I was only talking about this the other day because no one really knows, but um, just before they axed that show, um, myself and Sheridan Companino, who was Courtney Companino's sister, we were the two next people to go into the young oh. talent team. So they trained us up and were ready to be announced and then they axed the show and I thought my life was over as like a 13-year-old. <laughs> but, um, you, you almost, know, it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. I know. I wanted to be the next Joey D. <laughs> <laughs> In a sense, you were. I mean, your your time in in reality TV and uh, and that whole competition. Oh. 
It was almost like an accelerated version of the Johnny Young program, I guess, Young Talent Time. Well, Idol, you know, I did that 17 years ago. Like, this is before Facebook was just starting up. We was, there was no Twitter. There was no Instagram. Mm. We were still relying on forums. That's right. Um, <laughs> like, so the world has definitely changed since then. Our next question, mm-hmm. I always... Freak out when I'm flying. I am the worst flyer. And you would think after all these years, like I'm usually on a flight nearly at least once a week, um, I still haven't calmed down after all these years. Is it a very seri- a serious fear? Have you had some serious moments? It goes through ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a moment where I was totally freaked out to the point that Tim, my partner, was um, like, you need to go and see someone about this. You need mm-hmm. to go and see a hypnotherapist. You need to see someone. Does it does it come to the attention of the steward sometimes? Does someone have to come over and say, do we need to get you off the plane? I've uh, I've never been escorted off a plane because I'm freaking out, but a flight attendant or two or three have sat next to me on numerous occasions right. because I just, if I hit turbulence, if we hit turbulence, I just freak out. Why haven't you gone to see someone about it? I don't know. <laughs> this is not a psychology session, Virginia. Oh, it is now. <laughs> You've given um, me an opening, so now it is. Like I did this, I did I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here about five, four, five years ago, that TV show, and I put on my paperwork that... I'm afraid of flying. You know, I've never gone into oh, a helicopter. You know what never, they're going to do now. Never do that. So the opening, the opening yeah. part of the show <laughs> was they pushed me out of a helicopter <laughs> and they said to me, they go, we're going up to 10,000 feet, the highest that a helicopter can go without crashing and you're going to be jumping out. And I just looked at them and I freaked out to the point that they had to um, tie me to the floor of the helicopter so I didn't freak out and jump. And I just looked at them and I go, how stupid do you think I am as if I'm going to jump voluntarily? And and did you? Well, I was pushed out. Uh, the last person to be pushed out of the plane was me. Um, the helicopter, I should say. I'm assuming you've, you've signed some sort of waiver that oh, says, yeah. you can push me, you can tie me, you can oh, do whatever you like. Yeah, you basically sign your life over. But for the first time since then... Two weeks ago, I had to fly to Hayman Island for a gig and they said, you know, you can either go over on the boat, but we've got a helicopter for you. And I said, no, I can't do it. But then at the last minute, I said, Ant, you can do this. You can do this. Just jump in the helicopter. So it was the first time ever since that time that I jumped into a helicopter and I was fine. Hey, so maybe you've started to sort this yourself. No, not really. It'll come back (laughs) next week. You just can't get reality TV out of your system. You've also wrapped up on doing that absolutely dreadful show. Oh, here we go. Celebrity <laughs> Apprentice. Yeah, why? Tell us why. It was an interesting experience. Um, but, yeah, it, it's funny. You always walk away from those experiences hoping that you have at least one true connection with someone. And, you know, walking out of the jungle, I had that great connection with Brendan and Shane. And, you know, this time around, I love Michelle Bridges. And we connected like straight away and it's so weird I, I always look about I always look at the people that I connect with and I'm like why are they always sports people because I'm the least sporty person ever <laughs> aspirational friendships I don't know I love their strength I don't know what it is I love their strength and Michelle was great and like yeah we wrapped up and then we went to Byron Bay together for a bit of a trip and um, oh nice what is the point of that show what, what, what's my life lesson from um, Celebrity Apprentice um, how do I answer this diplomatically <laughs> um, like I grew up in a family where, you know, my parents worked really hard. My mum had three jobs and my parents were self-employed. Um, what did my they da- do? My dad's a builder. Yep. Um, and then, you know, my mum my mum dropped out of school early because she had to um, 
help her mum because yep. um, her dad died when she was seven. And oh, wow. so, you know, my mu- t- to put us three kids, my brother and my sister, through obviously school and then all the extracurriculum that we did. Like, my mum had three jobs at one stage. And so I went, I've got great work ethic. Like I get that from my parents. And so I thought, this is great. This is about you know, challenges in terms of, you know, working and coming up with strategies and and business plans and things like that. And I went, this is great. I want to do this show. And (laughs) part of it was that. um, And then the other part was totally reality. (laughs) Because I was just like, um, I didn't go in with a game plan. And I'm like, why is everyone being overly strategic? I'm just like, isn't this a business show? They're going to vote me off the island in their first episode. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, but, yeah, it was interesting. N- nicely spruiked, though, mm. I think. Oh, the publicists will be happy with that one. That's very, very good. I don't care. <laughs> Our last question today mm-hmm. uh, in You Don't Know Me, my guilty pleasure is... Don't judge me, and I know you are going to judge me and all your listeners will judge me, but I am a huge fan of the Housewives of New Jersey, and I am obsessed with Teresa Judic. Um <laughs> Who is she? She is one of the cast members on The Housewives of New Jersey. And if you just Google her, she is entertainment times a hundred. She has literally flipped a table at dinner with all of the dinner and the drinks (laughs) on it because she's got that worked up. And I am obsessed with her Um, and her transformation over the years. She's been in jail. You know, all of a sudden she's come out and she's raising four kids by herself and she's got this new body and she's got this new boyfriend because her husband was exported back to Italy and I'm just like, I'm obsessed. I'm like, how much can one woman go through? Do you like a bit of trash TV for downtime? I'm all for it, Virginia. Mm. I'm all for it. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I sit there, I open up a bottle of wine or I shake up a martini and I'm like, bring it on. I'll do two, three episodes in a row. And that'll just absolutely unwind me. How do you unwind after a big performance? I mean, these are are big shows that you do. You've Mm. got a a powerful voice and you, you you put it all out there whenever you sing. How do you feel when you come off stage? What's the feeling? It's a, it's an unusual feeling, and each night is somewhat different. Um, but walking off stage, especially in that mindset, knowing that you have to wake up the next day and sing, I go for a swim every day. Um, I do laps because that's my vocal warm up. Um, How is that a vocal warm up? Because it opens up the lungs without putting any pressure on your vocal cords. On the cords. Yeah, and Good. it just—it's all breathing and it's using your diaphragm. And I swear by it. Like I swim, and leading up to a tour, I swim every day as well. I steam. Um, I know it sounds really boring. I do have a scotch before I walk on stage. Oh, a drink before the show. Yeah, I'm not one of those traditional singers that does all the vocal warm-ups and so forth. I literally just walk around my dressing room and I go, ah, ah, yep, it's still there. And then I have a little bit of a scotch. Um, I gargle it. And then I have a little Red Bull just to give me a, a bit of um, energy. And then I walk on stage and then after I walk off stage, I honestly just down coconut water and I hydrate and then I try and go to bed as quickly as possible. But usually that doesn't happen until one, two o'clock because it takes you so long to wind down. down to, To come down from that place. When you're on stage, is there a feeling that you have where you think this is this is landing so well? There's a connection here right now with the audience that is just so alive and so rich and on the uh, on the opposite do you have those moments of <laughs> oh my god w- when is this going to end um, do you have both do you have either uh, i have had both mm-hmm. um usually i never really have the latter um feeling 
it's a tour environment because mm. people are there because they want to be there and it's such a beautiful feeling like you know they've chosen to they've be there. They made the effort, yeah. Um and I love having that connection with my audience. It's so beautiful and just you know when you look out to the audience and you see them on the edge of your their seats because you know you're getting to a point in the song where it climaxes and they want to be part of that moment and you know you want to give them goosebumps and I know it works when I get the goosebumps. So I'm hoping that that translates, you know, to my audience. But you know what? As singers and as performers, sometimes we do um, corporates, which I don't mind at all. I love doing corporates. Explain what that is for people who don't um, know. A, a corporate gig is when organisations put on functions or awards nights and they need entertainment. Yeah. Um, you know, for a lot of singers, it's their bread and butter. <laughs> um, and you do it. But you have to understand it. And I was really affected by this in my early years. Um, coming off Idol, I was getting booked for corporates all the time. And I realised that the reaction from the audience wasn't like the reaction when I tour. And I'm like, why is that? And I'm 21. And I'm like, am I am I bad? Am I not doing a good job? And so forth. But then you somewhat realise, you go, these people haven't chosen to be there. They haven't yeah. chosen to listen to you. So mm. don't take offence to it or don't, yeah, don't take it to heart if the reaction is not exactly what you were anticipating. It just means you've got to lift and bring it even more, oh, do you? I work my little butt off these days. <laughs> Like me, please like me. At this stage, it looks like you can go on. I'm sure it must feel this way to you. You can go on and keep having the career that you wanted as a five-year-old boy and that it's it's humming along. Does it seem that way to you? Yeah. You know what? I take not each day as it comes. Like, obviously, you plan. But, you know, to, to do what I'm doing for 17 years straight, like, it's... You have to work hard. You can't, you know, I'm, I've never sat there and, and waited for it to be delivered to me on a silver platter. And I get that from my parents. I work, I work really hard and I feel as though you have to be the CEO of your own self. You can't allow, you can't rely on everyone else to do things for you. And that's why, like, I, it's to a detriment to myself at times. I cross the T's. I dot the I's. Like, I see every email. I want to see every inquiry, inquiry that comes through. I want to be across it all because at the end of the day, it's my name on that ticket. It's my name on that album cover. It's my name on that single release. It's my name on that TV show. So I need to own it. And I feel as though that that's really important. Anthony Kalia, great spending time with you. Thanks for being with us. You too. Thanks so much. You Don't Know Me is presented by me, Virginia Trioli, produced by Kelsey Rotino, Jules Hay and Shelley Hadfield, with thanks to Katrina Palmer. Audio production by Ross Kay. On the next episode of You Don't Know Me, you'll hear from David Halberg, Artistic Director of the Australian Ballet, which is celebrating its 60th birthday in 2022. And so I respect the history of this company, but I think I was brought in as Artistic Director to really push the company forward and to open the doors even more and to invigorate the company in a different way. That's on the next episode of You Don't Know Me, and you can find more episodes on the ABC Listen app. Thanks for listening. Hello, I'm Tegan Taylor. And I'm Dr Norman Swan. And before you enjoy Virginia's next guest, we want to invite you to listen to CoronaCast. Norman, didn't I just hear you on an episode of You Don't Know Me? Well, you obviously don't know me, but yes. <laughs> well, I, know, I, do, I do know you now. Yeah, I had a chat with Virginia a few episodes ago. You can go back and listen to it right now. It's episode two and you can make up your own mind about it. <laughs> 
<laughs> As for our podcast, the one that you and me make together, it covers all the latest news on COVID-19 and it has been since the beginning of the pandemic and we're still going. And you can find it now on the ABC Listen app and learn to know us. Get to know us better 